I gave a little bit of a snapshot of this message last night, and we'll see what I get <laughs> today. How many know that leaven is yeast? It's yeast. A little bit of it put in a lump of dough causes it to rise and to rise and to rise and to rise. And just about any time you read about it in Scripture, it's negative. It's referring to sin. So it's a great thing to talk about <laughs> in a loving atmosphere of Jesus, right? This negative aspect of the truth of sin. But it is the truth. Sin is ugly. And we're warned in Scripture that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just the smallest bit of compromise is the smallest bit of area that we're not letting him be Lord in our lives. I'm grateful that his love, as John writes, his love abounds to us and makes it easy. That's what John says. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and they are not burdensome. He comes in and works in such a way where I don't feel like I need to steal anymore. I don't need to look certain places anymore. I don't need to compromise with any of this leaven. There's one time in Scripture where it's used positively. Jesus, it's a one-sentence parable, and it means a whole lot. If you didn't know, Jesus packs a lot of punch in some of the things he says. It's a holy punch. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. We prayed that prayer in our worship today. Your kingdom come. Yours is the kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we say your kingdom come, your will be done, it's that Greek word thelema, which means his good pleasure. Your kingdom come, Father, your good pleasure be done in our midst. Just as it is in heaven, it would be here and on earth, in our hearts, in our body. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus does this interesting encounter with, with the disciples. In verse 15, he says, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The words for take heed and beware, both can be translated see. But one really refers to being discerning, and the other one refers to being, taking note. He's saying take note, be discerning of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. We're a church that uses the word sozo quite a bit. It's a Greek word used throughout the New Testament. It's often interpreted save. And we often further define that by saying sozo means to save, heal, and deliver. But it also means to maintain safety. To keep safe. We are made new when we come into our Christ. He writes his law on our hearts. It's alive. He gives us a heart of flesh that replaces a heart of stone. But the ongoing sozo experience in Christ is he maintains our safety. 
Jesus is talking to disciples that believe in him. And he's saying, discern, take note of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. You are vulnerable to this. And if you didn't know it, anytime I say you, I'm speaking to myself as well. <laughs> I am vulnerable to this. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? Mm. Mm. I agree. We heard self-righteousness, pride. I want to suggest to you that anything we can say as a, a definition of what the leaven of the Pharisees is, is rooted in something deeper. The Savior defines the leaven of the Pharisees in Luke chapter 12 as hypocrisy. But there's something that is even deeper than the hypocrisy that is a symptom of that which it is superficial to. The depth of what he's talking about is the reason the reason that we so often resort to, our rationale, the way we try to think things through. When Jesus is confronting the disciples in Mark chapter 8, they are reasoning, they're thinking, and they're contemplating about a problem they have. We forgot the bread. <laughs> And Jesus is reminding them, did I not feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and some fish? Did I not just feed 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fish? So what's the problem? The problem is this reversion that we all have a tendency toward, our flesh, and trying to figure out things with our minds. It's 11. When Satan, in the form of a serpent, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says he goes in and he's the most cunning of all of God's creation, the most crafty. That word cunning comes from the, Greek, the Hebrew word arum, which means reason, prudence, sensibility. Paul refers to Satan, who was in the form of a certain serpent in the garden. Paul refers to Satan as the God of this world. When Jesus says, don't take in that leaven, he's saying, don't take in the yeast of the enemy. But every time we resort to Oh, I got to figure this out. I got a problem. I know God did this miracle and this miracle. He changed my heart indeed when I came to know him. He has set me free. He continues to deliver me. But what about this situation, God? It's the God of this age trying to deposit his yeast, his fungus, into our souls so that it will rise, rise, rise and neutralize us from what God's destined us to be. <laughs> I learned this term when I was working as a therapist, analysis paralysis. We analyze so many things in our own thoughts sometimes, and we don't even pick up on it. And it, in effect, what it does is we analyze, 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 and we end up paralyzed in the spirit. 
It's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets free. It's God through the inspired writer that says, it's not by power, it's not by might, it's not by my intellect, says the Lord, it's by my spirit. The leaven of the kingdom of heaven, heaven's leaven, is the spirit. The spirit of the living God. That's supposed to increase, increase, increase. The Pharisees are commendable people. They are. They came on at about, about the time the children of Israel were being exiled. So, these children of Israel, the Israelites, as we read in Scripture, they're exiled for sins that they've committed. They've partnered with the God of this age. They've let the leaven in. The Pharisees, seeing that these children of Israel, the called ones, the chosen ones of God, they see them and they say, no, you're taking on these pagan practices. You're taking on more of the effect of the leaven of this world. The term Pharisee means set apart ones. And so they say, no, we're going to take a stand. We're going to stand for the truth of God and the law that is. It's commendable. Jesus actually commends them and says, you, you, are, you go across sea and land to just make one convert. How many of us would go to China <laughs> to meet our brother Chang over there, our future brother, and minister to him? <laughs> We'd get on Zoom or whatever. The Pharisees are those that go across sea and land just for one. They're those that tithe unto the Lord. They don't just tithe of their income of their first fruits. It says they tithe of their spices and any vegetables or leaves that are growing around them. Mint. They go out of their doorstep and there's some mint hanging out there. They'll take a tenth of their mint. They're meticulous in following the law. But Jesus calls them hypocrites. How come? Because they think they found the truth in the law, but they've missed the Spirit of God. They've missed the heart of God in all things. And they're holding everybody accountable to what they think is the truth, what they're willing to die for, and what they're willing to murder for. They're holding everybody accountable to truths that they're not holding up to themselves. If they were victims of the same judgment that they're foisting on other people, they wouldn't be able to stand up either. They would be outcast themselves because Jesus says you're not living up to the same standard, you whitewashed tomb. You're good on the outside. You look all great on the outside, but inside you're empty. You don't have the Spirit of God. Jesus wants us to know this stuff to keep us, to keep us safe. It wasn't too long after the revival that happened with the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2 and following. Many people, they lost track of how many people are coming to the Lord. It wasn't too long after that that Paul writes the church in Galatia. In chapter 5, he says, you're running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? It's a rhetorical question. Paul already knows, and they already know, that they made the choice. Nobody can take Jesus from us. We choose to partner which leaven we take in. 
Who cut in among you? Who, who, who did this, if not yourself? Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? They're fighting about these religious things. It killed, it kills, and it killed revivals. This church, after Jesus is doing amazing things through the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Father pouring out His Spirit on all flesh, many people coming to the Lord, this church is dealing with the argument of circumcision versus uncircumcision. We look at it in retrospect and we say, oh, we're not going to get caught up in that one. <laughs> but what do we get caught up in? It's the same devil, the same deceiver, the same liar yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> it's the same Jesus, the healer, the freer, the truth, the way, the life, yesterday, today, and forever. All right, Holy Spirit. <laughs> One of the things the Pharisees did was they linked up truths that they had come up with with the salvation of the Father in heaven through the law. So the truths that they have come up with are now the rules that they're foisting on everybody else. It's hypocritical. We have opinions about gun control in this house. Holy Spirit. <laughs> we have opinions about the border. We have all kinds of political opinions. Whenever that political opinion causes me to say, birthday boy, his 70th birthday yesterday, <laughs> yeah. Bless you. He's a good and faithful servant, isn't he? Thank you, Lord. I bless you, the pure in heart, see God. I prayed that over you yesterday, and I just declare it now corporately. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In the name of Jesus, I bless all the ways that he's increasing in you and through you. In Jesus' name. My dad... Hypothetically, I'm not going to tell you what he really thinks. <laughs> he hates guns. He owns guns. I'll tell you that much. Hypothetically, he hates guns. I like them. I really don't want to get close to him because of this value that I have on the law that I've developed in my own heart that guns matter and my right to protect myself, which is very much similar akin to what the Pharisees were doing. My right to protect myself with my gun. I don't want to be around that brother. It's the, it is. It's the division of the wrong leaven and the right leaven. And when I take in that wrong leaven, I start getting a rise from the bad yeast, the bad fungus, and it starts to take over. And I will find myself declaring things that are not from the Lord, but are from the God of this age, who is the Lord of this world, the prince of the air, Satan referred to in Scripture many times as that. I'm partnering with him, and I'm letting him rule and reign. You read on in Genesis 3 what happens when we partner with the one that's reasonable, the one that's prudent, the one that rationalizes. The woman saw that the food was good, 
It was desirable to make one wise. We take on that type of reasoning. It starts to overtake us. And we're fighting for things that are not the life of God, that are not founded in the spirit of life in Christ. We're fighting for things that are for me, myself, and I, so that I can protect my little kingdom here on earth. Amen? Beware, he says, of the leaven of the Pharisees. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. He says, beware of the leaven of Herod. Several commentators refer to the leaven of Herod as the political system. I think it goes deeper than that. Whereas the Pharisees loved God, or thought they did, they didn't deny him at least. Herod and all of the lineage of Herod, generally referred to as the Herodians and those that follow him, they made no qualms about, we don't need God. They were very clear in their secularism, in their naturalism. Seeing is believing, live in the here and now, whatever I can take in this earth and whatever I can take from this world to make my life better right now, that's what I want. Jesus refers to Herod as a fox. He's sly. He's full of strategies to get his selfish interests pushed forward. Herod is tormented, as is everybody apart from Jesus. That is not a curse on anybody. It's just the truth. Here's the promise of Scripture. He is there to heal us. He is there to save us and to deliver us and to keep us saved. He sets us free from torment. There is no fear. There is no love in fear. There is no fear in love. There is no torment in love. He sets us free from that. Herod is afraid of John the Baptist because John the Baptist has called him out on sleeping and marrying his brother Philip's wife, the sin of adultery. It says so in Scripture. He's afraid of him. He's afraid of the people at this banquet that he's hosting where he sees his adulterous wife, her daughter, dancing, and it pleases him. And he offers half the kingdom to her. And because he's offered it in front of people, and she asks for the head of John the Baptist, who he does not want to kill, that's the plain reading of Scripture, in the midst of his torment and his soul, he still honors John the Baptist, but he's afraid of the people he's with. He's being tormented because he's living in the here and now. The leaven of this world has consumed him, and it's limited. And so he commands the execution of John the Baptist. In 1 Corinthians 5, we did a little bit of that a few weeks ago. We went through 1 Corinthians really fast-like. But in 1 Corinthians 5, sexual immorality has penetrated this church, this young church. Again, new after revival. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. A young man is sleeping with his father's wife. And Paul is calling it out. He says this, you're glorifying, you're boasting, thinking you're all right is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? It's in response to the secularism that wants to penetrate the church. 
There is no unrighteous judgment that I know of when I'm about to say, okay? But when we have churches that are saying, I need to be seeker-sensitive, and the compromise that happens with that, and allowing certain things to come in without a loving and truthful confrontation in the Spirit, we're letting secularism come in. We're letting the leaven of this world. The reasoning that, the, that Jesus is warning the disciples against, trying to figure things out as a preacher, as a pastor, as a disciple of Christ, trying to figure out things in my own mind, and I start to compromise in ways that I don't even realize because the deceiver is the one that's sowing the, the deceptive seed in my heart. It doesn't have to be spoken all the time. Our focus is on Jesus. But his truth is that sexual immorality is wrong. He has a much greater plan. A much greater plan. And the counterfeit of the leaven of the enemy, the counterfeit, the deceiver, comes in and makes us think. It's an age-old thing. It started right back in the garden. Makes us think as we receive it in. It's a cyclical pattern. We continue to think. We grow in it. Think, oh, this is the only way I can find comfort. This is who I am. I'm a person that can compromise what the church says, but it's okay. I'm a person that compromises what the head of the church says, and it's okay. It's not Lord, our focus is on you, always and forever. We declare you're the life, the truth, the way. You're the resurrection. You're the bread of life. Every word out of your mouth we depend on. In Jesus' name. Many of you have heard this story, but Holy Spirit prompts me, and I'm going to share it again. I shared it last night. When I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, 2006, I immediately accepted a sentence of death over my life. I, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I did. <laughs> I knew I was going to die because in my education, I had learned about that diagnosis, embryonal-rhabdomyosarcoma. It's a tumor, it's a malignancy of the skeletal muscle, and it readily metastasizes to internal organs. And so when I received that diagnosis, I knew I was going to die. Within an hour and a half of getting that diagnosis, I was sitting down with my parents, and I told them, I'm going to die. <clears throat> My mom, prophetess, Pastor Cheryl, she says, you are not going to die. What about the words of God that have been spoken over your life? <laughs> and in the leaven of reason, in the leaven of the God of this age, I responded to her and I said, you're wrong. I am going to die. I don't doubt that God is perfect. I don't doubt that he sees all things, but I heavily doubt the imperfection of the vessels he uses to speak through. I, I doubt the perfect. I, I think they're imperfect. 
I doubt what they're saying because they're imperfect vessels. I am going to die. I was wrong. (laughs) There's so many ways that the enemy wants to partner with us and get us to reason. Jesus is saying, just as he said in Mark chapter 8, do you not understand, Josh? Do you not understand ACF? Is your heart still hardened in the ways of this world? Can you not see that I am a God who brought bread and food and sustenance out of nothing? I did it for you more than once, he tells the disciples. And he's done it for us more than once, too. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you as we close out here and go into communion. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Which are we? Are we those that live according to the flesh and reason according to the flesh, or are we those that live according to the Spirit and set our minds on the things of the Spirit? Let's be that. Set our minds on the Spirit. Stand to your feet if you would. I'll declare over you one more, a little bit further in Romans 8. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Let's put that in the first person. Everybody say it. For I did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but I received the spirit of adoption by whom I cry out, Abba, Father. Woo! <laughs> Oh, if you didn't know, Abba is an Aramaic term for daddy, and that's exactly what he wants to be to us. So intimate and so connected with us. Jesus made it possible when he broke his body and poured out his blood for us. (laughs) Paul says, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, for indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Father, I bless the reality of new leaven coming in and old leaven being pushed away as we come to your table and partake in remembrance of your Passover that the old leaven would be pushed out and the new leaven You, the Spirit of the living God coming inside of us. Thank you for your body broken, Jesus. As we partake, we receive the reality of your goodness. And we thank you, Lord, for your blood spilled for us. Literally, your life source poured out in the natural so that we could have life in the natural and in the spiritual. In receiving the leaven that you want us to receive, heaven's leaven, in receiving the Spirit of God, we bless all the promises that you minister and you heal our souls, spirits, and our bodies. As we partake in remembrance of your life poured out for us, your blood spilled, we receive the reality of your healing, spirit, soul, and body, in Jesus' name. Let that healing take place, Lord. 
Let the new love and rise, rise, rise up inside of us. Spirit of God, have your way in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.